Switching to Mint Mobile is the easiest way to save in 2024. Wireless plans are 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. To get this new customer offer, go to mintmobile.com slash Merle. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Charts with Dan. Thanks for being patient because of the early embargo for Madam Web this morning. I had to push the show to this afternoon. But we are going to talk about one of the worst weekends in box office history, at least recent history, including one of the worst Super Bowl weekends of all time. We're going to look at the top 10 movies and a lot of other numbers, as you know we do here on the show. And without further ado, let's just jump right into the box office top 10, a dismal weekend at the box office. Argyle remained the number one movie, dropping 64.2% from an already bad opening weekend last week at just over $6.2 million. It's now made over $28 million domestically. Lisa Frankenstein could only muster an opening right around $3.7 million in second place, followed by The Beekeeper, which drops 35.7% in third place. Its domestic total is now at over $54 million. Wonka spends a ninth week in the top five, dropping just 34.7% for a weekend total just over $3 million. It now has a domestic total over $200 million. This actually changed a little bit once final numbers came in. Migration takes the number five spot at $2.9 million. It drops 30% in its eighth weekend, and its domestic total is now at over $110 million. It's an impressive leggy performance from this movie. And before we move out of the top five, let's look at some numbers regarding some of the movies that were in the box office top five. Looking at Diablo Cody, who was the writer of Lisa Frankenstein, this was the fourth best debut for a movie that was written by Diablo Cody. The best wide opening weekend was back in 2007 with her breakthrough film Juno, which opened at $10.6 million. That was its first weekend in wide release. It had already done a few weekends in limited release. In second place is 2009's Jennifer's Body, which opened to just under $7 million. Then we had 2015's Ricky and the Flash, which opened to $6.6 million. And then Lisa Frankenstein there at number four at just under $3.7 million. It was able to beat the opening of Diablo Cody's last film as writer, Tully, back in 2018 at $3.2 million. The big difference being, however, that Lisa Frankenstein played at about two and a half times more locations than Tully did. And also, of course, nothing is adjusted for inflation on this chart. Lisa Frankenstein may have had one of the five best openings for Diablo Cody, which isn't hard because I think she's only written five movies, but it also had one of the 10 worst debuts for any movie opening in 3,000 theaters or more. And let's look at that list. The worst opening for a movie ever in 3,000 or more theaters was Reminiscence back in 2021. And you'll see that a lot of these movies are pandemic era movies. This was also a day and date release on HBO Max. Remember Reminiscence with Hugh Jackman? I actually didn't even remember I'd seen this movie until I saw the poster. It opens to $1.95 million back in August of 2021, followed by Cop Shop in September of 2021, which opened to $2.3 million. If you haven't seen Cop Shop, by the way, that's a good movie. Just before the pandemic started shutting down theaters, Blake Lively's The Rhythm Section opened to $2.7 million back in 2020, one of the only non-COVID era or at least before theaters shut down era movies that's on this list. Then we had 2021's Those Who Wish Me Dead, also part of HBO Max's Project Popcorn back in May of 2021 at $2.8 million. Then we had last year's Big George Foreman back in March of 2023, which opened at $2.9 million in over 3,000 theaters. 
2006's Hoot has no pandemic era anything to fall back on. It was, for a long time, the worst opening for a film in 3,000 or more theaters. It opened to $3.3 million back in May of 2006. Then we have December 2022's Babylon, which opened to $3.6 million. Lisa Frankenstein has the eighth worst opening for any film ever opening in 3,000 or more theaters. Followed closely by 2007's The Seeker, Dark is Rising at $3.7 million. And then 2022's Firestarter remake, which was a day and date film on Peacock at $3.8 million. So when you look at this list, yes, Lisa Frankenstein isn't up near the top, but so many of those movies that are near the top are part of an era where things were day and date. There weren't a whole lot of things that were coming out in theaters. They were on their way back. This movie just didn't open well, and it was part of a horrifically bad box office weekend that we're going to talk more about in just a few minutes. Before we move out of the top five, it should be noted that Migration has now moved past 2011's Hop, so it will now not go down in history as the lowest grossing film in Illumination history, although I don't think it has much of a chance of catching The Secret Life of Pets for number 12 out of 14 on that list. Looking now at number 6 through 10 for the past weekend, The Chosen Season 4 Episodes 1 through 3 drops 53.3% in its second weekend. It's now banked about $12.2 million total, and there will be two more installments of The Chosen that will be hitting theaters in the weeks to come. Anyone But You still hanging around. It drops 23.2% in its eighth weekend for a $2.6 million total. It now has an $80 million domestic total, and let's keep an eye on the weekday totals. I know I will be for Anyone But You as we go into Valentine's Day on Wednesday and then coming up this Valentine's Day weekend. Mean Girls drops 49.7% with a $1.9 million total. Its domestic total is now just under $70 million. Then we have a re-release of 2021's Dune at $1.6 million. Now this may contain some grosses for a fan event that happened a couple weeks ago, but this was listed on a couple of different resources as a top 10 film this weekend, so I'm putting it in the top 10. And when you add it to the domestic gross already existing of Dune, it takes it to just under $110 million. And then in 10th place, we have American Fiction, which dropped 46.7% for a $1.27 million total. It has now made around $17 million domestically. Looking at the movies that dropped out of the top 10 this past weekend, Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom drops out after seven weeks, and then Poor Things drops out after three weeks. This was actually its third run in the top 10, and we'll see if it returns, especially if it wins any of the major Academy Awards coming up in a few weeks. And looking at the DCEU, one of the last stats that we haven't explored yet, weeks spent in the box office top 10, and this is a good example of why numbers don't always tell the whole story, because Wonder Woman 1984 spent the most weeks in the box office top 10 of any film in the DCEU, and that's largely because there weren't any other movies in theaters at that time in late 2020 and early 2021, but still, it does hold the record. Black Adam had the second most weeks spent in the box office top 10 with nine. Then we had Wonder Woman, Suicide Squad, and the first Aquaman all tied with eight. Batman v Superman and Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom tied with seven. Blue Beetle with six. Man of Steel, Justice League, The Suicide Squad, Shazam, and Birds of Prey, all with five, although it should be noted with Birds of Prey, it probably would have spent at least one more week in the top 10, but theaters closed because of the COVID pandemic. With four weeks in the top 10, we had Shazam, Fury of the Gods, and then the movie that spent the least amount of time in the top 10, fittingly, was The Flash. 
Looking at the movies that lost the most theaters for the weekend of February 9th, Poor Things lost 650 of its theaters, so that big expansion is now a contraction. It's still playing in 1,300 theaters nationwide. ISS is now almost gone. It lost another 600 theaters. It's now only in 217 theaters around the country. Mean Girls began shedding theaters. 487 gone this past weekend, but it's still in 2,620. American Fiction's expansion is now contracting. It lost 440 theaters. It's in 1,462 nationwide. And then The Boys in the Boat is beginning to dip out of wide release. It lost 419 theaters. It is still playing in 1,107. Looking at the box office road to recovery, and there's not much recovery going on here. The red line is the weekend box office average for 2021 through 2023. The blue line is the box office average for 2015 through 2019. And then the dotted black line is this year. And you can see that our weekend box office total this past weekend was basically at the average for the post-pandemic theater reopening, which means that we basically see no progress from where we are to where we were. That's not what you want to see. The highest grossing film for the 2021 to 2023 window was Death on the Nile a couple years ago, and the highest grossing film for the 2015 to 2019 window was the Lego Batman movie, which dominated early February back in 2017. And I mentioned that this was a truly atrocious box office weekend. It was the lowest weekend overall at the box office since 2022. And when we talk about the Super Bowl, I've always said on the show that generally box office attendance is depressed on Super Bowl weekend because people are at home. They're watching the game. But even by those standards, this was the worst box office weekend as far as total gross of all movies since 1990. So I'm going to switch things up a little bit. Usually the box office flashback comes at the end of the show, but we're going to do it right now because I want to take you to the last Super Bowl weekend that was lower as far as overall gross than what we just experienced. It was the weekend of January 26th to the 28th, 1990, which had a box office total of $37.1 million for all movies. That's roughly equivalent to what we just had this past weekend. And the number one film that Super Bowl weekend was Driving Miss Daisy, which expanded into a lot more theaters. It grew 115.8% for a $5.7 million total. So even the number one movie was roughly equivalent to what we had. And remember, this is not adjusted for inflation. Born on the 4th of July was in second place at $4.6 million in its sixth week. Tango and Cash, also in its sixth week, was in at $3.56 million. Then The War of the Roses came in fourth place at $3.2 million. And Internal Affairs came in fifth place at just over $3 million. So yes, that Super Bowl weekend back in 1990, which saw Joe Montana and the San Francisco 49ers win the Vince Lombardi Trophy, was the last one that was even roughly equivalent to what we had this past weekend, excluding, of course, 2021, which basically saw no movies in theaters. I am accepting 2021 for special COVID-related circumstances. This was a really, really bad weekend, and it gets even worse when you do adjust for inflation. Let's hit that inflation button and see what these grosses looked like adjusted for inflation. And you can see that once we do that, this blew the weekend that we just had out of the water. Driving Miss Daisy was at number one at $13.4 million, more than double the gross of the number one movie right now at the box office. Born on the 4th of July was in second place at $10.9 million. Tango and Cash was in third at $8.4 million. The War of the Roses was in fourth at $7.6 million. Internal Affairs in fifth at $7.2 million. You actually have to go down to seventh place adjusted for inflation to find a movie with a lower gross than the number one film this past weekend. 
So it's not just that it was Super Bowl weekend and things were slow. Even by those standards, this was an almost historically bad weekend. And to me, when you talk about the theatrical exhibition industry, this feels as existentially threatening as COVID did. Because even when theaters were closed due to COVID, there was always the thought of, okay, but when they reopen, we have all of these movies lined up. And we did see some recovery, obviously. Uh, things were getting better. Then we had the strikes that pushed so many things off of the schedule. And here we have movie after movie after movie that people just aren't interested in seeing or certainly aren't interested in seeing in theaters. And it puts that much more pressure now, I think, on movies like Dune Part 2 and Godzilla and Kong later on in March to really resuscitate this box office. Because if those movies can't do it, then I think that the future of the exhibition industry gets a lot hazier and a lot cloudier. I love movies. Obviously, I devoted my life to talking about movies. And I get more and more scared with each passing month that we are looking at an even bigger sea change than I think anybody expected because the industry can only go on so long at this pace. And the more pressure that you put on movies to do well, movies like Dune Part 2, the bigger the damage I think there is potentially if those movies disappoint. This has been a really bad couple months. And quite honestly, it's been a really difficult couple months here on the channel to just try to drum up enthusiasm and stuff to talk about. Uh, but hopefully we're coming out of it. We've got a couple more weeks that are a little bit down. Then we get to Dune and some other films. Let's see if that can pull 2024 out of the absolute gutter that it's in right now. Let's talk about movies that closed this week, and I am officially marking Barbie as closed after 27 weeks. It actually hasn't reported grosses since the week of January 19th. I wanted to make sure that they weren't lagging behind. That's not to say that Barbie isn't playing anywhere right now, but those grosses now haven't been reported for a couple weeks. So let's take a look at a snapshot of Barbie, which was in theaters for half a year, basically. A domestic gross of $636.2 million, an international gross just over $800 million, that brings its worldwide gross to $1.44 billion off of a reported budget of $150 million, a 10x return. That's not too bad. As I mentioned, 27 weeks in domestic release, four weeks at number one. It doesn't have any remaining markets left. And let's look at that Barbie estimated theatrical profit. Again, this is my estimate. It doesn't include ancillaries or other income. And this also doesn't include payouts and profit participants. This is just pure estimated theatrical profit. A $35 million performance in China, a $774.2 million internationally everywhere else but China. And then of course, it's massive domestic performance. You have a gross box office at $1.45 billion. You have a net of $668.9 million. That's after the theaters get their cut. You subtract the $300 million in production costs and I estimate a theatrical profit of nearly $375 million for Barbie. And that is before you bring in any other sources of revenue or income. This was a massive hit for Warner Brothers. It absolutely saved the studio and saved their summer after some really dismal box office failures. And Barbie is one of the biggest success stories that we've seen in recent years. We'll see if that continues in just a couple weeks or a few weeks at the Academy Awards. 
Let's take a look now at the top five films internationally, and this was the celebration of the Chinese New Year, which means that we saw a flood of releases put into theaters all around China. The number one film internationally was YOLO, which made $110.3 million about a young woman who decides to train as a boxer. This is from Ling Jia, the writer-director of the massively successful Hi Mom. In second place was Pegasus 2, the sequel to 2019's Pegasus, which brought in $104.6 million and reportedly may be actually surpassing YOLO's overall gross. This is a sequel about a car race that is very popular with audiences. In third place, Boonie Bear's Time Twist with $60.8 million. This is the 10th Boonie Bears film. One has come out every year since 2014, except, of course, 2020. In fourth place was Article 20, a legal film from director Zhang Yimou, who's been pumping out movies over in China for the past several years. And in fifth place, the only non-Chinese film on the list is Anyone But You at $9.7 million. When you take those worldwide grosses, you combine them with our domestic grosses, we get our top five films worldwide. And actually, those movies don't change except for number five. YOLO, Pegasus 2, Boonie Bears, Time Twist, and Article 20 all remain the top four films, with Argyle taking the fifth spot, bringing in $15.6 million worldwide in its second weekend. Before we look at the other charts for this weekend, I want to go to the Mint Mobile Hotline, which has been a great addition here to the show where you can call in and ask your questions. And our first question comes from Andrew in Dover, Delaware. Hey, Dan, this is Andrew from Dover, Delaware. My question is about movies that have special previews or early releases. How are those tabulated in a box office? Does that count as part of the first weekend, or do those numbers just sort of disappear? I always was curious about calculating that amount. Thanks so much. Uh, love the show. Been listening since the very beginning. Take care. Thanks for that question, Andrew. And it's a good question because you're right. Movies that have those early screenings. I remember Aquaman, I think, had some early screenings. It's more and more common where you'll, where you'll do these like fan screenings a few days ahead of time or sometimes even a week or two ahead of time. Everything that I've read says that that money goes into or is basically rolled into the opening weekend, usually the Thursday night preview gross, which then gets basically put into the opening day. And a lot of people say that's not fair, that that money shouldn't be rolled into the opening day. And I, I understand that. That argument, but that's just how it is. So yes, if a movie does an advanced screening, a paid advanced screening, unless otherwise noted, that just gets rolled into the opening day gross. Our second question comes from Tom in Memphis, Tennessee. Hey Dan, this is Tom from Memphis, Tennessee. When you do charts and you talk about the budget breakdown of a movie and whether it's successful or not, do you factor in things like product placement? Uh, for example, I think it was Tomorrow Never Dies had 100% of its budget covered by product placement. For a movie like that, where the budget is completely covered by product placement, how would you gauge, you know, what makes it a success versus what makes it a failure? Anyways, a uh, big fan of the show. Thank you so much for everything you've been doing. And I look forward to your next episode. Hey, Tom, thanks for that question. And I've seen people bring that point up uh, both in the comments section and out of it when I'm doing my breakdowns as far as theatrical profitability like I just did with Barbie. And that's why I added that little disclaimer at the bottom that it does not include other revenue streams uh, because I I'm not privy to that information. I don't know exactly how much for almost any film. It's usually not reported how much money comes in from product placement and tie-ins and stuff like that. It's why I'm very clear when I say that the box office numbers 
aren't the only story. It's not the full picture. And you mentioned movies like Tomorrow Never Dies that may have had their budget fully replaced by product placement. James Bond movies have so much product placement. And even movies like Madam Web, which I just reviewed today, obviously had a huge Pepsi tie-in and they got a lot of money to include Pepsi products in the film itself. That's not included in my estimation when I talk about failure at the box office. And it's why I'm very clear to specify that the numbers that I share on this show are just box office figures. It does not determine or make or break the success or failure of most movies. Some of them lose enough or make enough, like The Flash and Barbie, that I think it's safe to say one way or the other. But no, my numbers don't include product placement or any of that other stuff, and it's why I always try to be very clear that when I'm breaking down numbers on this show, we are talking about box office only. Thanks for those questions and thanks for calling into the Mint Mobile hotline. And if you want to have your question answered here on the show, you can give us a call at plus one three two three eight six three thirty three eleven. I answer questions here on charts. I answer them on the news show and also streaming charts. So really anything you might want to know, you can call on the Mint Mobile hotline. And of course, I want to thank the people responsible for the Mint Mobile hotline, Mint Mobile. Here on the channel, I talk about the box office, which is all about money, and I review movies to help you decide where to spend your money, but Mint Mobile is all about saving you money, because right now, wireless plans are just $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. That's unlimited talk, text, and data for just 15 bucks a month. Hey, that's better than pretty much any movie we've seen in 2024 so far. I want you to imagine your wireless bill right now. Now imagine how much you'd save if it was just $15 a month. I bet that would save you enough money to see Madam Web in theaters multiple times with a large popcorn bucket to catch your salty tears and a soda to drown your sorrows. At Mint, you can choose from three, six, or 12-month plans and say goodbye to that monthly phone bill. Plus, Mint Mobile gives you the best rate whether you're buying for one or a family, and at Mint, families start at just two lines. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash Merle. That's mintmobile.com slash Merle. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash Merle. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. All right, let's look at some more numbers from this past weekend. And we'll look, first of all, at the per theater averages for February 9th through the 11th. The Taste of Things had the best per theater average and a very strong one at $43,350 per theater in each of its three theaters. I feel like this movie is overshadowed by the fact that France chose it as its submission for best international feature over Anatomy of a Fall. But this is also an acclaimed film, a cooking romance movie that I've heard is quite good starring Juliette Binoche from writer-director An Hung Tran. In second place is Perfect Days, which is nominated for Best International Film. It was Japan's entry, but it is directed by Vim Vendors. This is actually the first time that a film from Japan has been nominated that is not directed by somebody from Japan. Perfect Days won Best Actor at the Cannes Film Festival, and it's about a Japanese janitor and his working day. I'm looking forward to actually watching this in the near future as I prep for the Academy Awards. In third place, playing in just one theater, is the documentary Ennio about legendary composer Ennio Morricone. It brought 
brought in $7,591 in that theater. This documentary is from director Giuseppe Tornatore, who also brought us Cinema Paradiso. In fourth place is Drift, starring Cynthia Erivo as a woman on a journey of discovery in Greece. And in fifth place is the film Anselm, which I think I mistakenly said was animated last week. I don't know what was happening there. Definitely a brain fart. It is the story of an artist named Anselm Kiefer. And this documentary is also directed by Vim Vendors. Vim Vendors has a stranglehold on the per theater average chart this past weekend. Looking at the top films in limited release, this is in 1,000 theaters or fewer. At number one is Out of Darkness, which played in 897 theaters. It's a Stone Age horror film that was on my watch list this past weekend, but I just wasn't able to make the time. It brought in just under a million dollars. In second place, oh boy, this is a test for me. Terry Baton Mine Isa Ulgia Jaya, I'm sure I got none of those words right, made $884,916. In third place was The Zone of Interest, which brought in $773,000 in just under 600 theaters. Then we had Fighter in an unknown number of theaters, which brought in just under $350,000. And then Ava DuVernay's Origin in 348 theaters brought in just under $275,000. When we look at the limited release top 10 grocers for this calendar year, so this is all tickets sold beginning January 1st, no matter when the movie was released, American Fiction and Poor Things are still at numbers one and two. Their grosses were frozen after they entered wide release. Fighter is in third place with a total of just over $7 million. The Zone of Interest moves up to fourth place with a total at $5.5 million. Honeyman drops down to fifth at a $5.2 million total. Then we have Origin in sixth place. All of Us Strangers in seventh place. Gunter Karam in eighth place. Queen Rock Montreal in ninth place. And then entering the top 10 is Out of Darkness, bumping Freud's last session out of the limited release top 10. Looking at the top 10 films released in 2024 at the domestic box office, Mean Girls is at number one with $69.1 million. The Beekeepers in second place at $54.6 million. Then we have Night Swim at just over $30 million. Argyle at $28.5 million. The Chosen Season 4 Episodes 1 through 3 at $12.2 million. Fighter in sixth place at just over $7 million. ISS in seventh place at $6.5 million. The Book of Clarence in eighth place at just over $6 million. Hanuman at ninth place at $5 0.2 million and Lisa Frankenstein entering the overall top 10 at 3.6 million. Gunter Karam drops out of the domestic top 10 for this year. Looking at all tickets sold domestically since January 1st, Mean Girls has fallen off the pace, which means that Wonka looks to remain number one probably until Dune Part 2 opens at $72.2 million in ticket sales since the first of the year. Mean Girls is in second place. Migration is in third. Right behind Migration is Anyone But You at $55.5 million. The Beekeeper is in fifth place. Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom is in sixth place. Night Swim is in seventh. The Boys in the Boat is at eighth. Argyle enters the charts at number nine with 28.5 million poor things is at number 10 and the iron claw drops off of the calendar 2024 domestic list altogether and then finally looking at the top 10 films worldwide this year the beekeepers number one for now at 133.8 million dollars but will probably be surpassed by at least two of the chinese films on the list yolo is in second place at 110.3 million pegasus two in third place at 104.6 million then we have mean girls which is on the precipice of breaking 100 million dollars worldwide boonie bears time twist enters the chart at number five with just over 60 million dollars argyle stays at number six Night Swim drops four spots to number seven. Article 20 enters the chart at number eight. Fighter drops four spots to number nine. And Son of a Rich drops six spots to number 10.
And that wraps us up for charts this week. There are a couple of major releases, both of which are hitting theaters on Wednesday for Valentine's Day. One of them is Madam Web. As I mentioned, I did the review here on the channel earlier today. You can check that out. The other one is the Bob Marley biopic, Bob Marley One Love. I will have a review for that film later this week here on the channel. And I'll be back next week to talk about how those films did in the middle of the week and then going into the weekend, as well as a preview of what we can look forward to with some movies that might actually do well. Well, both critically and commercially, that would be great to have, you know, two plus months into the year. As always, I want to thank you for spending part of your day here with me. I want to thank everybody that called into the Mint Mobile hotline. Until next time, stay safe, and I'll see you then. Bye. Need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.